Welcome to Hudco Radio. I'm Jim Kennelly. Two national holidays, Memorial Day and Veterans Day, honor the sacrifice of Americans who served in the U.S. military. But they are distinctly different holidays. Memorial Day is the older of the two, having its roots in the Civil War. First known as Decoration Day, it was instituted to honor all those who died while serving in the armed forces. Veterans Day had a different purpose. The holiday was initially known as Armistice Day, named after the armistice that ended combat in World War I on November 11, 1918. It honored all those who had served in that war. It was rechristened Veterans Day in 1954. As the congressional resolution creating the holiday states, Veterans Day is meant to celebrate all those who served and what their service exemplifies, duty, honor, and civic responsibility. Here in Hudson County, the county executive and board of commissioners annually honor 12 veterans, one from each of our 12 municipalities, as Hudson County's Veterans of the Year. Today on Veterans Day, we speak to three of them, very different people, but all proud veterans. We speak to them about their service and about duty, honor, and civic responsibility. I'm joined by Frank Argiulo, who is North Bergen's Veteran of the Year. Frank, I wonder if you could start by talking a little bit about your service. Well, you know, uh, back in the 50s when I, uh, well, the early 60s actually when I was graduating college, the, uh, it was normal for uh, most of the young guys, at least in my neighborhood, to join the Army or Navy, Marines, whatever. In fact, uh, when, I, when I graduated high school, in, in my neighborhood, I think there was about 25 of us, my, my kids I hung out with, that joined the Army and all went together. I went to college. It was one of the few in those days that went there. And while I was in college, I got, a whole, I got involved in the, the ROTC at uh, the school in Notre Dame, and uh, they required you to be in the ROTC. And I always expected I had to put my time in. I expected that was part of my obligation, and, uh, and that was uh, the way it was in those days. I got involved in the ROTC, and I stayed with it. And it was, a, 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 for me, a great experience. While you were in the ROTC, in 1959, I believe it was, I took my basic training down in uh, uh, Fort Knox that, that summer, that whole summer we were involved there. And, and that really launched me into, I'm going to be a soldier. Hmm. I'm going to be involved. And so it was, uh, it was, it was a, a firm commitment on my part. The... Uh, the uh, the opportunity was it was a great one for me. I thought. I mean, it was all new. It was all new stuff. I mean, my uh, my experience with with the army was just what I did with the ROTC. But I uh, I'll tell you the truth. In my opinion, it's a great experience for a young man to be in the army uh, or any I guess any of the military services uh, because it does things and you learn things that you never never learn. Uh, have the opportunity to. Now let's talk a little bit about the honor of being named as a, a, a veteran of the year. I'm sure you know guys and all the rest who served, as you said, when you were young. Um, how did it feel for you to be, you know, singled out? Obviously, you've had a career as a superintendent of schools and a, as a commissioner and all the rest. But what was the what was your feeling when you learned that you'd been uh, given this honor? 
Yeah, you know, interesting thing you say that, because I'm really humbled by it. Because I, I always felt my army uh, uh, time, my time in the army was what I was supposed to do. It was a normal, and the guys my age at least, it was a normal thing that you 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 did. It wasn't uh, uh, abnormal. So so it was just a regular thing. So for me, for someone to pick me out and say, you know, the veteran of the year is, I mean, there's so many more deserving people, I would think. Uh, I am humbled by it. I really am. Truly am. Guttenberg's Veteran of the Year, Jessica Reyes, is a decorated staff sergeant in the U.S. Army Reserves. She's also deputy tax assessor for the town. Only in her late 20s, she's already a 10-year Army vet. I asked her how she chose military service at such a young age. So I started when I was a senior in high school um, at a regular college fair. You know, I was looking, browsing through all of the options that I was going to have. And I stumbled on my way out the door. Um, a recruiter pulled me to the side and asked me, hey, have you ever thought about joining the Army? And I told him, I've never had anybody in my family uh, join. So my mentality about it was, you know, they go to war and bad things happen. So I kind of never saw it as an option. So I told them, listen, I'm 17. My parents, they probably would not let me go. So they convinced me, listen, just sign up. We'll talk to them and we'll take it from there. And to my surprise, my parents, when they found out more about it, they were like, hey, it sounds like a great option. You should do it. So shortly after I graduated from uh, Norbergen High School, I went and shipped off to basic training and completed my uh, AIT, which is the school that I um, graduated in for the job in the military which was a water purification specialist. And from there, I've, I've just grown. I've loved it. I like uh, that it gives me a sense of sisterhood, brotherhood. It's something very different from my civilian world. Uh, I do also, at that time, I believe, I did start working with the town of Battenberg, and they have been very accommodating, very supportive. Uh, when it comes to me leaving for work, they always hold it down, they cover, and they're they're very supportive. What was your reaction to being named Guttenberg's Senior of the Year? So this community is the, my hometown where I grew up, um, kind of bounced between Hudson County when I was a lot younger and then stabilized when I was about nine years old. So being able to grow up in a, and be honored by the same community that I was raised in uh, was a great honor for me. Uh, I hold them very dear to my heart. I've stayed, I've remained um, in contact with a lot of uh, the teachers, a lot of the um, the staff, and even town hall, the residents. So everybody knows everyone in that town. Mm. It's only four four blocks long, yeah. so <laughs> it's very uh, easy, you know, to um, just grow love for the community. So for me, um, balancing all of that was. It, it was a little hard just because at the same time, you know, I was trying to complete my education as well. Sure. So being a reserve uh, service member, it does have its its good option, its good benefits, but as well, it's very hard um, to balance all three. Uh, sure. Especially as a young person. So for me, it's just been a rewarding experience. 
Could you talk a little bit about very briefly um, the? I know you were in a support role, but could you describe uh, your d- deployment overseas with Enduring Freedom and Inherent Resolve? Yes. Yeah, so actually, last year that was the first time that I was ever called, and this year in December I'll make ten years and. I had never deployed before, but when they told me, hey, we need somebody of your specialty to come along with this trip, so I figured out, okay, nope, that's no problem. I'm actually switched over to a uh, truck driver, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of uh, rare to have a female, especially in the civilian world, a female truck driver at that, and I was like, you know what, I'm with it. It's a great experience. Um, I'm ready to go, so I went last year. It was a ninth-month tour to uh, Kuwait and it was in the middle of the desert it was definitely a culture shock Um, I realized that we are very grateful for uh, the way that we live being able to just have a hot meal a regular shower a nice comfortable bed Um, so it's a lot that goes into just over there in the meantime and under the um, operations I was able to learn a lot of like what what goes overseas and um, just working with other countries and coming together to just continue the fight is we're kind of like in the back end so it's not the craziness that you see but it's a lot of hey we support everybody else in the front line well, let me ask you this, though. There is the sacrifice of the fact that you go overseas and folks stateside who care about you and depend on you, you know, they've got to make their way. Um, you know, how did your family deal with the fact that you, you were going to be doing an overseas deployment for, you know, three quarters of a year? So I come from a big family hmm. and I have I have three sisters and four brothers and my mom and my dad. So they were very supportive every day, just always trying to call me, text me, hey, hope you're doing okay. Um, checking in on me, sending me and my uh, unit uh, care packages, just making sure. Because we, we did also did have a shortage on a couple items. Um, so they were just always very supportive, trying, you know, keep calling, keeping in touch. Even my job as well, uh, always made sure that I was doing fine. And if I needed anything, they were there. And I suppose while, you, of course, you're working in support and in all in logistics, you're still overseas and you're still in a country where, you know, you, you're, you still wear the colors of the United States. So I suppose, obviously, you're advised by um, your superiors that you've got to, you know, pay attention probably still at all times, even though you're thinking of it as kind of doing a job. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yes, that's correct. Uh, you never know who's watching. You never know. Um, what's going to happen at any moment, uh, even though the location I was was in, uh, which you would say like very hazardous, where you had to, you know, always be on the lookout. But that always still remained because at the end of the day, we are in a different country and somebody else's soil. After 10 years in the reserves, what would you say to a high school senior, maybe one at North Bergen High, who's considering a career in the military now? I would say do it. Don't second guess. I know a lot of them, a lot of young uh, folks say, oh, I don't want to go through, you know, basic training. I don't want nobody yelling at me. I don't want anyone telling me what to do, what time to wake up and what I got to clean. But I would say put that aside. And it's a very rewarding experience. Um, There is a sense of patriotism. Um, You feel like you have accomplished something that like we say it's only one percent of everybody that joins so it's not it's a rare thing to find and i would say 
it's absolutely an honor to be part of a group of members that decided to sacrifice and give their life for our country. I'm joined by Patrick Littlewolf Brooks, who is not only a uh, the veteran of the year for Secaucus, but also a proud member of the Tuscarora Nation of the Iroquois Confederacy. Um, we'll talk a little bit about his service and also about his broader service as a storyteller and a designer of regalia, um, of, of traditional regalia um, today. Uh, Patrick, thank you first for talking with us today. Yahweh, thank you for allowing me to come onto the show. Let me begin by asking a little bit about your service in Iraq and Afghanistan. What did you do over there? Uh, I was combat arms, mm-hmm. infantry, and ranger. I did three tours in Iraq and one tour in Afghanistan. Mm. Um, I've been all over the place. Uh, I got a combat infantryman badge and well as a couple purple hearts. What led you into military service? Well, in my culture, in the native culture, we are a warrior society. And our people have been joining the military well before military was truly formed. Native people have protected our lands um, well before the colonists came over. And I follow that tradition of being a warrior. I'm a third generation warrior upon my people, and I belong to the Warrior Society of the Iroquois Nation. That's fascinating that you kind of carried that tradition forward. I wonder if there is a dichotomy when you, uh, and maybe you can kind of resolve this a little bit for me. And here's the question. Um, you know, you talked about before colonists come over and stuff like that, the, and, the, and your pride is, you know, as someone in, uh, very much connected to First Nations identity. How is that squared with service in the military of the United States? Because obviously, you know, I guess you would associate that to some extent with, um, with, with, you know, those who came after. Uh, how, how, how do you do that? Native people don't see us serving the government. I see. And a lot of people ask me that question. We see ourselves serving the people. We're a collective society. In other words, that uh, we don't believe in individualism. We sacrifice ourselves for each other. So when war comes, no matter if it's foreign or domestic, we think of our people. We stand tight for our people. So if we have to go across seas to keep our people safe, we'll go across seas and keep our people safe because we do it for the people not the government uh and often people say ask me you know after everything the government has done to my people how can i still serve we don't look at things that way we fall under our flags fly under the american flag now so we show that respect that these are our home this has always been our home and we'll always serve and protect it I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your um, your passion, which is um, uh, a whole host of things, but storyteller, dancer, creator of regalia for dancers. Talk about that work. Um, is that something you've done since your youth, or is that something you came to later? Uh, and today, how does that manifest itself? What What is that work all about? I'm a sixth-generation storyteller, a fifth-generation flute player. My people, my family, has been Native American educators for... 120 years, they have one, They used to have one of the biggest dance troops on the East Coast, and they, we travel and we educate. Uh, Native history is taken out of the history books quite a bit. Many people don't even know our United States Constitution is based off the Iroquois Confederacy, our people's confederacy. So we travel from classroom to classroom and teach history and culture 
to let people know that we're still here. We're, we still exist. We just blend in a little bit better. I often hear people say, well, I don't see many Native Americans. And I often say, well, we don't carry our eagle feathers and bow and arrows everywhere we go. We kind of blend in with a lot of other people. So, but we carry our pride on our shoulders. Uh, then uh, my, my company, Ravens Productions, is a Native American company that travels. We've danced for the Queen of England, Nelson Mandela. We've been all over Europe, Africa, Asia, uh, bringing our dancers and education. Uh, we do quite a bit of shows here in New Jersey, at elementary schools, high schools. We talk about history and culture, and we let them share upon our culture. So there's nothing better than allowing students to ask Native people their own questions instead of trying to find it in a book. They're able to be frank and be open to ask those important questions, and they learn better that way, sort of getting the answer from the horse's mouth, so to speak. I wonder if you could talk about the the idea of tradition, and here's what I mean. Um, clearly, tradition is an incredibly important part of you and your and your family's life, and in a sense, Veterans Day is a tradition that is meant to speak to so many who now service may not necessarily be part of their lives. There is no draft. The army and and all of our military is is a volunteer. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the importance of traditions like Veterans Day and just broadly the value of tradition in any society, because it seems like something that matters to you. Absolutely. I'm all about respect. Respect among cultures are huge. And I know the path that I walk was not created by me. There was elders before me that walked this path. There's elders that laid their lives down before me. And for Veterans Day, I don't look at it as a respect for myself, and I do thank people for doing that, but it's not about me. It's about those that, that were drafted against their own choices, the ones that had to go in the worst times, that leave their families behind, didn't get to see their kids born. I do this and I show this respect out of the respect for them. It's not about me. It's about them mostly because without them, they would be no me. They've set the precedence. They've walked this road before I did. All I'm doing is following a path they've laid down. So out of respect for them, I give all my respect in every way I can to, to stand and show that for them. Terrific. If that makes sense. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and let me just ask you this. You had the opportunity to kind of express, uh, you know, or I shouldn't say express. You've had the opportunity to continue tra- tradition. If someone asked you why that was personally valuable to you, what would you say, and what would, and whether or not that's something that maybe we need to do more of in this culture? We focus so much on bad stuff in our histories and forget about the good stuff. The bad stuff normally outweighs the good stuff. And when you do that, you kind of diminish the memories of those that have sacrificed. That's the worst thing in the world to do. You know, my grandfather uh, went to Vietnam. My great-grandfather... My great-great-grandfather was World War uh, II. So for them, I'm their voice after they're gone. I have to show that respect. When I was a kid, your last name meant everything. You didn't do anything wrong because people didn't know you for what your actions were. They they seen you as an image of your parents. So you stood a little stronger because you were walking in the footsteps of your grandfather because his name was done was so well. I think we've lost a lot of that because we have no pride and the people that came before us. And I'm hoping I'm just one example. I'm setting an example for our youth to remember that your last name is not your last name. 
you're carrying somebody else's legacy. So to, st to stand strong and show that respect when you walk, to show them respect. We are our grandfathers, our grandmother's image of the future. So when we think that we own something, we don't. Someone created it for us, and we have to walk in the footsteps that they've paved. Where can folks who want to learn more about your work find you? Are you on the Internet? Is there a way to contact you if they're interested? I think everybody in history is on Facebook these days. <laughs> so my company, my company is on, uh, uh, it's called Raven's Wing Productions on Facebook.com. Uh, you can always find me as Patrick Littlewolf Brooks as well. Brooks as well. I have an indigenous podcast uh, called the B&B Indigenous Podcast. We talk about Native culture, history, uh, all kinds of topics. This Sunday we have a show for veterans, for Native veterans. We'll bring it on. We invite everyone to come on and be able to listen and understand Native's plight in the veterans community. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Our thanks to all our Hudson County veterans. The entire list of Hudson County's 2022 Veterans of the Year can be found in this episode's show notes. You can learn more about resources for veterans on the Office of Veterans Affairs page of our county website, www.hcnj.us. To keep up to date on county government news and alerts, be sure to follow us on Twitter at HUDCOTweet and on Facebook at HUDCOFB. To see photos and videos of county government events, follow us on Instagram at Hudco Insta, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Hudco TV. And please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, Hudco Radio. Finally, thanks as always to Hudson County Executive Tom DeGees and the Board of County Commissioners, who develop, direct, and support all the programs and services discussed on this podcast. Take care. Take care.